0: We are now going to be looking today at 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 to 10. Let's read that passage. 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 to 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. We say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. In life, people face many problems that can't be denied, and many predicaments, and experience many dilemmas. However, the biggest problem for the human race is God's holiness, and how to respond to it. That is the biggest problem that we have. The fact that God is completely other. He's not like you and me. You can't just jolly him in in what you're doing and expect him to adapt to you. He won't. He is transcendent. He doesn't see things like we do. He makes it clear in Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Don't just assume that the way you see things is the way God sees things. He's holy. And it's a big problem when you're a sinner. Interestingly, the biggest problem for God is our sinfulness. So our biggest problem is his holiness. His biggest problem is our corruption. The things that we think about, the things that we find ourselves wanting to do, the things that draw us away from him and how he should respond to that. It's a deeper dilemma than anything sociological, psychological or cultural. This is on a whole different level. It's a spiritual reality that we are faced with here. It hits us at our deepest point. Many of our fears, many of our anxieties, many of our illnesses and our afflictions stem from this dilemma, that God is holy and he won't compromise that and we are sinful and we struggle to find a way out of that. That's the dilemma. That is the predicament. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. This is the message, John said, that we've received. It's the message that Jesus preached to the disciples, the apostles, and it's the message they then preached to the early church. It's a radical message. It's a clear message. It's uncompromising. It puts God at the starting point and makes God the focus. And interestingly, it's the message that vindicates God. It justifies God. It's a message which says, first of all, before we go any further, he's right. <laughs> he's in the right. It's a very stark message. And John says, this is the message that we've heard from him. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. We see a God who is morally perfect, a God who is true, a God who is right in all of his judgments, a God who is perfect love. Now, God is slandered on the planet daily, isn't he? Slandered. Spoken badly against. If you've ever found yourself spoken badly against, you'll know the pain of that. You discover that there have been... Second and third parties discussing you or whatever. And, you find, and when you find that you think, oh gosh, if only I'd been there, I could have just explained, no, I didn't mean that, or whatever. Imagine how God feels. I mean, John Piper, the famous preacher, theologian, said that God has a very um, complex emotional life <laughs> because there are things that go on that bring him absolute joy and ecstasy. Um, and there are other things that go on that bring him torment. And he, has to, he sees it all and experiences it all at the same time. But God is slandered daily on the planet. He's blamed for things by those who deny his existence. You ever notice that? Those who deny he 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 exists blame him for the stuff that goes wrong. You think, how unfair is that? He's mocked by those who exist by his grace. So those who get every breath as a gift uh, use that breath to mock him and speak against him and use his name in vain. He's written against, he's spoken against, he's grumbled against and he's resisted but God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. He remains as he is. He is not altered by that. I don't know about you, but when bad things happen, sometimes it alters me. Yeah? It has an effect on who I am, so that next time I am more nervous, or more suspicious, or more cynical, not so with God. After all that goes on, he's slandered, grumbled against, um, resisted. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. This means that he is beyond temptation to sin. He's got no taste for it. Right? He doesn't battle like we do. If you're a believer, you'll know the battle. Where the spirit in you just wants holiness and your flesh still wants the bad stuff. Still want, the flesh never gets redeemed. It never gets, you never, that battle never ends. Your flesh will always want the bad stuff. Okay? It's not until Christ returns and we get a brand new body that we're, we're, we're free from the battle. But it's a dilemma, isn't it? You want to serve God, you are sing, you're earnest, you are earnest. and God, I want to live for you. Next thing you know, you're just finding such powerful draw to this or to that. Not so with God. He has no taste for it. He doesn't find it enticing. He doesn't find it attractive. He finds it repellent. He's got nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to cover up for. He will never be caught out one day. He never has to fear being caught out. Oh, I've been caught doing something which wasn't perfect. He never lives in that world of that kind of double, double thing that sometimes we fall into. His motives are 100% pure. His judgments are 100% accurate. His wisdom is unsearchable. His perspective is panoramic. His knowledge is infinite. He's more innocent than a child, and yet he's more intense than a volcano. What a God. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. This is the one who loves you. He is absolutely splendid. He's perfect love. So, when we say God is light, this is the heart of the Gospel. He's different to us. It creates problems in the deepest recesses of our heart and our mind. We, we, the problem is rooted in fear. I'll know God's holy. Yeah. I'll know I've got to face him one day. I'll know I did that the other day. Yeah? The problems are fear. Because we know that part of his Godhood means that he sees everything. We fear that God is light, and here's why. Listen to what Jesus said in John 3. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. We're like crabs. We feel safer under the sand or in the rocks. We feel exposed out in the open because we love the darkness. This is a, this is a statement about human nature. Generally, in a blanket kind of sense, this is the message. Our alarm bells ring. The thought of an uncompromisingly holy God is a horrible idea to a sinner. A God who has no tolerance of sin. A God who would create a place that we call hell. Actually, God created hell. It isn't just random. It isn't just, oh, it's turned up. What are we going to do? Oh, we'll put people there. God created a place called hell. Created it for the devil and for his angels not to rule in, but to be punished in forever. The devil isn't the king in hell. He doesn't sit there on the throne with his, he goes there to be punished forever. But also the Bible is clear that unrepentant sinners will be thrown into hell forever and tormented. That's what the Bible teaches. You might find it unpalatable, but that's what the Word of God teaches. And it reflects on the holiness of God. God is not ashamed of the concept of hell because he's not ashamed of his holiness. He's not a people pleaser. He's a people lover. There's a massive difference between them. I suggest you should make it your aim in life to be a people lover and not a people pleaser. It's a much better way to go. This is God. This is God. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. At best, this creates discomfort. At worst, it creates hate and fear. You see it paralleled on a human level. When people are righteous in an unrighteous world, people don't like it. My stepdad worked for a haulage company once driving a big lorry, delivering... It was... um, all kinds of things, a big lorry. And he discovered when he started working at this company that a lot of people in this company were, for example, going out on a, on a, on a run and then tucking into a lay-by for a couple of hours for a sleep and then coming back to the base and saying, yes, it took me l- this long to do this job. Okay? Very common practice. But he thought that's not the right way to do it. So he would work hard. And then the bosses started thinking, why is it that you take two hours less than everyone else to do the same journey? So, it started to come out into the open um, his, the, the other employees got the right hump to the extent that one day he was driving his lorry along and suddenly he was overtaken by one of his wheels they had loosened yeah they had loosened the nuts on the wheel of a truck because of this you see righteousness comes in and unrighteousness hates it because it exposes it exposes it exposes Bad practice. That's a human parallel, an example, an illustration of how we respond to God and why you find people protesting. A God who sends people to hell. What is that coming out of? Fear. I think I might go there because I'm sinful. This is the message. We mustn't dull it down. mustn't dilute it. I'm not ashamed of it. It's God's message. It's not man-centered. It's not come to Jesus and he'll he'll make your life... You know, perfect. It's not that at all. It's, you need to get right with God. It's very important. You need to get right with God. So how do we respond to this kind of God? Well, John gives us five possible responses in, this, in these verses. Three bad and two good. Each starting with, if we say, or if we confess, or if we walk. The five ifs. And today as I go through, I want you to hold up each if, as it's a mirror, and say Is this me? Do I respond like this to God's holiness? Verse 6. Let's read verse 6 together. The first if. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You only have to read the Gospels carefully to discover that Jesus chooses his friends carefully. And hypocrites are never in, in the game. Hypocrites don't get in. In fact, if anyone ever says to you, oh, Jesus is just so lovely and meek and mild, and t- t- take them to Matthew 23, where he talks to the Pharisees. <laughs> I mean, you would not want to be on the receiving end of that. Because they're hypocrites, you see. And Jesus hates religious hypocrisy. A hypocrite is not a religious term. It's a Greek term. It means an actor. Literally, that's what it meant. It's the one who would put a thing on for this and then take it off that's what it, that's what it means it's not a religious term it's a Greek acting term you're a hypocrite you're a mask wearer Jesus hates that and throughout the Bible we see many things that can be darkness if he says he has fellowship with him so he's intimate with Jesus but walks in the darkness he's lying well what, th- what is darkness? well I've chosen three passages from the Bible and I've made a list just to give you some idea ok darkness can be a debased mind Envy, all these things come under darkness. Envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossiping, slandering, hating God, insolence, arrogance, boastfulness, disobeying parents, foolishness, faithlessness, heartlessness, ruthlessness, self-loving, money-loving, proud, abusiveness, lack of gratitude, lack of holiness, brutality, recklessness, treacherousness, treacherousness, (laughs) Loving pleasure more than God, being caught up in powerless religious activity, being sexually immoral, impure, idolatrous, being into sorcery, um, throwing tensions and losing your temper, being divisive, drunk, and hostile to others—those things are dark. It's taken from Galatians 5:19 to 21, Romans 1:29 to 32, and 2 Timothy 3. I think verses 1 to 4. But in 1 John, what is darkness specifically? I'll tell you what it is. In 1 John, is lovelessness. you find that out later. Lovelessness. Those who say they are close to Jesus but do not love are lying. There's a fundamental discrepancy between what is being said and what is being lived. They learn the ropes of church life. Say amen at the right time. Maybe even give time and money to the church. But do not practice the lifestyle of love which involves laying down your life for one another. That's what love is in the New Testament. Remember, we looked at it last week. The word is agape, different from phileo. Phileo love in the Greek is affection. I've got something in common with you. So I'm going to just. Well, um, oh, bang goes the sermon. Cheers. It involves. Phileo love involves. Um, we've got something in common. We've got a certain chemistry. We've got the same hobby or whatever. So let's be friends. Agape love is regardless of who you are, I'm determined to do you good. That's agape love. Regardless of anything about what we've got anything in common, whether I like you, I'm going to do you good. I'm going to express goodwill towards you. That is what agape, love, is. John is nailing here hotshot heretical infiltrators in the church rather than telling off those who are receiving the letter. Hold up the mirror. Hold it up. Is this you? (laughs) You can do that if you like, symbolically. But hold it up. Is this you? I think, oh, this is a bit... Oh, I came along with a bit of church and I thought we were going to have a nice little talk. This is a bit harsh, isn't it? It's the Bible. Preach the Bible. I Tell you what, does you the world of good? Does you the world of good? Because it gets to the heart of the matter. Verity, could you just help this lady in terms of the children's work? Good to have you. Thank you. Are you ready for if number two? John's ready. John's getting excited. Okay. If number two. Verse seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So if the darkness is lovelessness, then what is the light? Love. Yeah. If we walk in love, if we aim for divine love to be nurtured in our hearts, both vertically towards God, learning to receive his love and learning to love him and horizontally learning to let ourselves be loved by others and served by others and learning to love and serve others. If we let this be nurtured in our hearts, God is attracted to this. Yeah? You understand that God is attracted to that. It draws him. There are certain things that draw God and certain things that repel God. And lovelessness, because he is perfect love, repels him. He's like, man, this is... But love draws God to this place. He's drawn to it irresistibly, if you like. And so what you find then is, is that if you walk in love, your friendship with God grows. Do you know that you can be friends with God? Did you know that's always been God's intention? It's never been God's intention to just get us religious, to just get us going to church, or even, dare I say it, to get us just doing our quiet times. The idea is relationship. The idea is friendship. That is why God has gone to lengths that he has to draw us back to himself through Christ, because he wants to be friends. So if he could clear everything out of the way, it opens the way for genuine relationship. And so as we live in love, it draws God close, there's friendship develops, and there is cleansing from ungodly ways and words through Christ's blood. Now some may ask, are you saying that you earn forgiveness by loving others? It could be interpreted that way. It's a good question but that's not what's being taught here. What's being taught is that this is the path to Christ-likeness. God's intention is to make you ever more like Christ if you're a believer. Do you understand that? That's what he's about. More than getting you to be able to have a successful ministry or, I don't know, or, or earn loads of money, I and mean, it may be his will for both of those things. I'm not saying it isn't. But more than anything else, he's after Christ-likeness. Which is why when things, this is a bit of an aside, wasn't planned, but when things go wrong, which we often say they do, but we don't realise they're going right, but it wasn't how we planned, so we say it's gone wrong. Okay? When things go wrong, rather than sulking against God and kicking out against him and saying, oh, this is ridiculous because, you know, I wasn't expecting this, ask yourself, how can I become more like Christ through this situation? Yeah? Actually, even if this is a bad situation and the devil's involved in it and I've got to break out of it, even if it is that, still, how can I respond in a Christ-like way? Because I tell you, you can learn learn more in half an hour of testing and fiery situation than perhaps you can in a a year of ease. And so when it comes, respond well. Yeah? When it comes, don't don't get the ump. (laughs) Don't just, oh God, this happened to me again, you must really hate me. Say, no, no, God is so determined to make me like Jesus. He knows I'm ready for another another bit of heat being turned up. Respond in that sense. So God's intention is that we are increasingly purged from every ruinous way, every inferior spirit and attitude that might want to manifest itself through us, that we get purged from that through Christ's blood. And the root is love. Walk in the light, emulate him, copy him, copy Jesus. Copying is seen as negative in our culture, isn't it? Exams is like that, isn't it? Copying is like, oh you copied me. No I didn't, yes you did, copycat, it's seen as negative. In the Bible it's positive. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He says, basically, I spend my whole life copying Jesus. Copy me, because I'm copying him. Copy, copy people. Copy people that you think, they're so good at loving others, I want to copy you, copy them. Don't copy in terms of dress or style or personality, but godliness, things you see, you think, I want that, copy. It's not bad. I I think I'm just a concoction of people that I've copied. Do you know what I mean? I I just think, I want that, I want that. I just, I copy a lot of you, but you don't know it on certain things. I think, wow, copy it, copy it. So, hold up the mirror. Are you walking in the light? Are you loving? Are you agape people? Third if, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, I wonder if any of us would say this, but anyway. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You see, when faced with God's holiness, you can try your luck. Maybe, maybe this is you. You can try your luck. You can make a case for your own goodness. Ah, it's alright. I'm, I'm alright. For our own big-heartedness. No, no, you should see me. I, just the other day, my neighbour was locked out, got me in for a cup of tea. There's, the, there's no problem here. Everything's fine. And uh, this can be done in two ways, really. They say, I've got no sin. Two ways. Firstly, total denial. They've only got eyes for Hitler. Do you know the people? They've only got eyes for Hitler. Now there's a sinner, Hitler, he was really bad, but "Ah, I'm okay, I'm I'm not like him. And uh, they've got a comparative righteousness, do you understand what I'm saying? They say, well look, he he murdered millions. I might lose my temper every now and then, but he murdered, come on, surely I'm righteous. And can be angered by the suggestion that they've offended God. Offended God? I'll tell you who offended God it was, Hitler. Or Stalin, it's always the same, isn't it? Or the latest criminal on the news. They have offended, not not me. This is, this, is very, this is very common. You find this in conversation. Or it can be more subtle. Maybe this is more likely among some of you. You can say, I did have sin, but praise the Lord, he's cleansed me. It's not there anymore. No bad thoughts, lusts, Lord, is envy. No, not anymore. No outbursts of anger. No idols in my life. These people are unteachable buck passers. It's always someone else's fault when they, when they sin. Yeah? I did lose my temper, but you should have seen them. You should have heard what they said. It's like, well, there we go. Yeah, I did envy, but you didn't see the car. You didn't see it. You would have envied. God would have envied. You know, it's just like... If you say this in either way, you are deceiving yourself, and the truth is not in you. Hold up the mirror. Are you there? Fourth if. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is it to confess? I'll tell you what it is. It's to come clean, and it feels really good. It's coming clean before God. Coming clean with your own failures, but with a sense of sorrow. I think this is important. You're not casual. It's not like, well, okay, sorry, Lord, I've sinned, I've please forgive me. That is not confessing. Confession is when you're pierced. You're suddenly aware that you have fallen way short of what you were made for and you have offended God. And that this is real. And it's like, oh. But you come clean. You're aware God is light. He's a consuming fire. He's holy, holy, holy. And as you do so, as you... Now I want to just nail this. As you confess your sin, instead of judgment... Hellfire and damnation, you find faithfulness and justness, forgiveness and cleansing. I don't think you can get over this enough. Because as Christians, sometimes, if you are a Christian, you can sin and think, oh, it's the same thing. I did it, been doing it for the past five years. Should have been over this by now. Gee, I know Jesus died for me. I'm aware and I've done the same thing again. And you can think, oh, I'm just gonna go into my cave. It's safer. Yeah? I feel less on offer, less exposed. I'm just going to go into my cave and hope. You know, I don't want to come into God's presence. I'm too ashamed. Anyone ever done that as a Christian? You've kept away. Any hands? Show of hands. Anyone's kept away because you just think it's too embarrassing? Yeah, it's just I can't bring this again. What is the promise here? If we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now why does God forgive? I think we just need to look at this for a minute because we can get it wrong. We can tend to think God forgives because, well, that's what he does, isn't it? That's his job, yeah? That's what, god's, that's what gods do. They forgive. That's not why God forgives. God forgives because he loves fervently and because he gave up his son so that he could do so without compromising his holiness. You've got to understand this. God's in a dilemma because of our sin. So what does he do? He gives his son so that he can forgive us and restore us without compromising his holiness. That's the beauty of the gospel, you see. God remains just because he's punished sin, but at the same time he's the justifier of sinners. At the same time, what a beautiful message. What a salvation. Who would have ever thought it up? It would have been too absurd to even suggest. No angel would have suggested, why doesn't the son die? Forget it. But God said, no, this is what we're doing. I'm going to give my son so that I can bring absolute forgiveness and cleansing. He bruised the son, the Bible says. He put him to grief. The Bible says the punishment that he had was for our peace. I want to tell you now, it's time for transparency. It's time to bring all that you are out before God, before the Day of Judgment. It's time to do that. If you don't do that now, then the day when you do do it, you won't be in Christ, there will be no cleansing. There will only be judgment. Confess your sins, please. If you're a Christian, confess your sins. Keep a short account with God. Don't let things just drag on, oh, Well, no. confess, bring it to the light, you'll get cleansed. If you're not a Christian, if you've never been born again, you've never given your life to the Lord, confess, come clean. Stop blaming others if you are doing that. Stop just saying, well, I'm, not, I'm okay compared to Hitler if you're doing that. The Bible says we have all sinned and all fallen short of God's glory. Please, Take that seriously. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, which means if you confess now and you come clean now, there will be no punishment for you. There will only be welcome. There will only be being brought back to God. It will all be good. This is so important that you get this. You see, because Satan whispers into our minds, it's safer to just keep yourself to yourself. It's safe. God God isn't even that keen on you. God doesn't even like you. You bring that out, it's going to just make matters worse. That's what he whispers. It's accusational. It's lying. It's to keep you away from the one who will bring mercy. But the true saint resists that and says, No, I'm not going to go down that road. Hold up the mirror. Is this you? Are you confessing your sins? Are you, have you got a transparent walk with the Lord? It is uncomfortable and you do feel embarrassed sometimes. I've let him down again. But let me just say, it is because of Jesus... It works. Hallelujah. Finally, verse 10. Just say, I'm um, sorry about the, the crash thing. We've found that the best place to put it is there because um, guests who come, um, I think, feel more comfortable just to know that their babies are in the vicinity rather than out somewhere. So it just takes a bit of focus to keep in with the noise. But I just wanted to say that there's, a, there's reasoning behind it. So, but I can live with it if you can. Can you live with it? Yeah. Great. Fifth and final if. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word isn't in us. Here we get people who deny the whole concept of corruption. Deny the whole concept of falling short. They say stop being so morbid. Talk about sin all the time. What's the matter with you? Get a grip. Smile and the whole world smiles with you. That's the kind of outlook. Well, we have to talk about it. We all make mistakes, but to call it sin, it's just morbid, it's pessimistic, it's negative. Let's just enjoy ourselves. Let's always look on the bright side of life. The problem is, is, if you go down this road, you take a step on from self-deception, now you're calling God a liar. God's testified. You want to know what God's testimony is? Here's God's testimony on human beings. Romans 3, verse 10. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless, no one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave, they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips, their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, in their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is God's testimony on humanity. And he loves us with a burning love. But that's his testimony. That's what we are. To just shrug that off and say you're being morbid is completely missing the scale of what's gone on. It's completely missing the glory you were made for and what we were made to be, image bearers of God. And it's completely missing the holiness of God. It's not just morbid and it's not just pessimistic. Now you can f- I want you to feel free to disagree, but I want you to understand the gravity of what you are doing if you say there is no such thing as sin, it's nonsense, you are making God out to be a liar. God's, earnest testimony that we are sinful has been demonstrated most clearly if you see Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who never sinned, hanging on a cross, suspended between heaven and earth, rejected by both, punished and forsaken by the Father, totally alone, totally deserted, totally ruined, beyond um, appearance of what he was, ruined more than any man. That is the image. You want to know that you've sinned? You want to know that it's serious? You want to know that you need to get right with God? See Jesus on the cross. You mustn't mock that. You mustn't belittle that. You mustn't talk your way around that. You can't charm your way above that. This is massive. Redeeming love has reached out to us in an outrageous way. And so if you deny your need of rescue, you deny and insult the rescuer. Hold up the mirror. Please don't let that be you. I want you to notice in conclusion the three bad responses are all rooted in pretense. They're all pretending. Now, why do this? You think, why why pretend? I'll tell you why. Because the reality of God's holiness, his perfection, the strength of his awesome presence are so horrific to sinners that you just create a different reality. Just create a fantasy. It's the easiest way of coping. Just create something else. Whatever, you know. The two good responses involve authenticity and coming out of hiding and saying, here I am the thing which seems like it's going to be the worst option you mean come out of hiding and face this awesome holy God it's going to be terrible no it's not it was terrible at the cross so it won't be terrible it will be wonderful you'll be forgiven You'll be restored. You'll be made brand new. You'll be brought into the family. You'll be welcomed. You'll be given eternal life as a gift. You will know the favour, the smile, the delight, the song of God over your life. You'll be completely bought in a moment. You'll, 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 you'll be made a co-heir with Christ. You'll be given a destiny and a purpose in God that will last forever. It is all perfection. The Bible calls it grace upon grace upon grace. It will The floodgates of heaven will open above your head and you'll be brought into the, into the place of intimacy with the Lord. You say, how can that be when a discrepancy is so big between what I am and what he is? Jesus, the gospel. It is that big. It is that profound. It meets every problem head on and pushes right through it. This is the glory of Jesus. This is the glory of what he has done. This is why when we get saved, we delight in him, we revolve around him, we never have any confidence in ourselves. The reason why we come into God's presence as holy God and are able to stand up and shout it, jump up and wiggle and have a great time is not because we're presumptuous, it's because we know everything's alright with him. (laughs) I haven't got to pretend. I haven't got to suddenly put on, act holy now, do the kind of somber thing. I haven't got to, I'm right with God because of what Christ has done I can just be me yeah hallelujah hallelujah I'd much rather that idea than trying to act holy and rigid and morbid and somber the whole time not knowing if I'm right with God coming out of fear trying to act religious because it might win him over who knows no it won't win him over the only thing that wins over the father is the son hallelujah Amen. and we're in him We are in the sun, so we're under the smile of God, we're hidden in Christ, we are completely welcomed 24-7 because of Jesus Christ's sufficiency. What a message, what a saviour, what a gospel. Praise God. God is light, so please walk in the light as he is in the light. Be transparent, confess your sins, he will cleanse you. He won't cleanse you because your sins are a small deal, they're not. He won't cleanse you because that's just what he does, It's not. He'll cleanse you because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Let's pray. What a saviour you are. You have covered every base with this gospel. You have covered every base. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, we can entrust ourselves entirely to you. As I'm here just praying now, I just get a sense from the Holy Spirit for in some quarters there is shame. There is shame about things that people have done and there is shame about things that have been done to people. And both these things can keep us away from the mercy of God. We think it's just too bad. It's just too dark. I want you to understand, I believe that the Lord wants you to understand that you need to see Christ crucified. That was darker, blacker, more shameful than you could ever imagine. It has covered even those things that cause you to feel such shame. In God, they can be left behind. They can be left behind. I pray for all those, Lord, who struggle in that area, that you would give grace, you would give revelation, Lord God, that would enable all of us, to bring all that we are before you and know that there will be no accusation. There will not be judgment. There will be only mercy, only cleansing, only healing. And I thank you there will be healing because this gospel comes to bind up the brokenhearted. Hallelujah. There will be healing. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.